This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. I'm Arjun, welcoming you to this edition of Secrets to Win Big. Winning is fun, but winning big will put you on the path to long, sustained success. At this podcast, you will hear from leaders from around the world and all walks of life, sharing the secrets and their individual path. Today, we are very fortunate to have Blaine Hurst, our VIP guest, come back and share with us what he's doing now and in future. Just a quick recap, Blaine Hurst, retired CEO of Panera, a four-time fast casual mover and shaker, is one of the highest impact restaurant leaders in recent times, leading two of the largest restaurants in US. So Blaine, when we look back, what is the one thing or the person who inspired you the most in your journey? How did that impact you, Blaine? You know, it's, it would have to be a person. There's been so many, if you will, incidents that have inspired me or have driven me over the years. But it all goes back, it sounds sort of trite, but it goes back to my grandmother. But you'd have to understand my grandmother. She was born in the southern hills of Kentucky back in the um, early 1900s. And when she was 12 years old, her parents were both killed in an accident, in a farming accident. And she raised her younger siblings for a couple of years before somebody in the family agreed to actually take them in. She hitchhiked on a, a mule pole mail wagon to Berea, Kentucky, because she wanted to get an education. She knew that to be to get out of poverty, she needed an education. So she worked at a lady's home to earn some basic tuition to get into Berea. And she went on, she met my grandfather. Uh, along the way, they became pastors of a church. And they pastored a small church in a little town in Indiana for 35 years, 40 years or so before they retired. She had tremendous impact on the world around her. She had committed to a mission. She decided to do, she made a choice to do whatever it takes. I won't tell you grandma's stories because it take the whole podcast. But I will tell you, she's an amazing lady. But what I will say is after she retired, she went to work at a Kentucky Fried Chicken truck stop out on Interstate 70, which is one of the main interstates across the nation. She was, became so popular with the truck drivers as they were coming through, they would literally stop in to see her, which everybody was happy because it was also a truck stop and they would get diesel fuel, obviously, when they were in to see grandma. Uh, ultimately, the NBC affiliate in Indianapolis did a special on her, as well as the, the Indianapolis newspaper did a special on her because of the impact she had on people. She treated people the same. It didn't matter what color of skin you were. It didn't matter what gender. It didn't matter anything, but she just loved you the way she was. To give you an idea of her impact, when she passed... There were about 25 semi-tractors that were in her funeral procession. They had literally dropped their loads simply to be in her funeral procession. Oh. Grandma did not know. I mean, Grandma was a smart lady. She worked hard. 
But what I will tell you is she didn't know what the full impact of her results were. She didn't understand everything, everybody she had impacted throughout her life. Years later, I still get notes and emails and people reaching out saying, I just wanted to tell you about your grandma uh, and how she changed my life. She made a commitment to a mission and she lived her life in commitment to that mission. She passed when she was 91 years old. She was still working at the Kentucky Fried Chicken Truck Stop until about six months before her death. Why? It wasn't the job. It was her mission to be there for people and to be part to help them with, with their struggles. Grandma inspired me more than anybody. It was not a job. It was her mission to be there for others till the age of 91. Wow. So, Blaine, you right now are working on this fascinating project, the Shepherd Hotel, as an investor, as an advisor. What got you so excited about this project in Clemson, South Carolina? You know, it's, um, I, th I think we've, now that I've retired and I have a little more time to think about what I want to do and uh, when I grow up, not quite there yet, but what I want to do, I think we all have something to give. And I, you know, I think that as I look around the world today and I, I see some of the strife that the world is in, I go, we all own this. We can all make a difference and make a difference in the world. So as I was introduced to a project early last year, I, you know, this project, I was, I was excited because my son is special, has special gifts. And David has been an inspiration for me for many years. And I thought, you know, this is something I could help with. I can give back. And then when I decided to retire, I thought this really is something that I can actually help out with and probably have some ideas and make a contribution, not just financially, but also because of my experience. On September 1st of, of last fall, September 1st, uh, 2019, I had a major accident. It's a freakish jet ski accident. Uh, I ended up in the hospital for 30 days. I was airlifted out of the, out of the lake. I broke approximately 27 bones, multiple internal injuries. And today, you know, I'm back out on the jet skis. I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And people, the doctors are amazed at the recovery. But I will tell you something that I learned while I was laying in that hospital, that what matters isn't just the economics that we all want to attain. It's not just the success we want in business but it's success in life. And that doesn't mean that I didn't always know that, but I, but I don't always know that that was a portion of my life that I gave enough to. So when I saw this opportunity, and now that I'm retired, I have even more time, I said, I gotta be a part of this. And I wanna be a part of it in a way that matters, not just something that I can list on my resume. So that's how I got involved. I love it. It's a, a fabulous project. Our partners in this work include Dabo Sweeney, who's the coach of Clemson and the All In Foundation and Clemson Life, which is uh, learning is for everyone. So Clemson Life brings students to campus who have these special gifts and, and enrolls them as part of the student population at Clemson, which is a fabulous program. So being affiliated with people like that, to me, it's the next step in my life. Thank you for sharing, Glenn. You talked about David, amazing young man. So I just want to look at little bit about your signature line in your email where you talk about run the race with joy. Is there a secret story behind it? Would you love to share? Yeah, there is a story there. 
when I talk about innovation, I talk about typically six steps to innovate. The final step has always been, and for years has been, run the race with joy. And why is that? Because there are challenges all along the way. We are all, whether it's at work or home or balancing priorities or just there's so many things that go along that with anybody that's trying to drive innovation, there's challenges. So David ran a race. So David, special needs, blind in one eye, uh, has type one diabetes. He has some real challenges and virtually no speech communication, blind and gross motor scope problems. Well, and in, in when David was in high school, he wanted to compete in a sport. And the best sport we could find for him, frankly, was cross country. So David ran with the cross-country team, and his goal was to finish a race, one race. About midway through the year, I got a call from my wife. I was in Boston, and I got a call from my wife saying David finished his first race. I got midway through the season, if you will. I said, that is great. He's achieved the goal. Well, he continued to run the race, and sometimes he finished, sometimes he didn't. Well, at the end of the season, they wanted he wanted to run in the regional. And I'm thinking, you know, most of these kids are running this race in 24 five to 28 minutes it's a 5k up and down hills and i said yeah david's best pb is probably 45 46 minutes and my wife said shut up blaine david wants to run don't let your don't let your pride get in the way and of course i go oh you're right i you know i'm wrong surprise surprise my wife was right and so david takes off in this race and and he runs the race and as he's running along the race we're all standing at the finish line. Most of the kids cross, or all the kids cross. And I know David's out on the track, and I'll never forget the little a crack on the walkie-talkie because they had begun to take down everything, and there was a crackle on the walkie-talkie. And somebody said, uh, runner still on course. And the guy that was organizing the event literally set the finish line back up, called people back up. And the next thing I know, I see David coming out of the trees with this big smile on his face. And long story short, he finished the race. I hug him, we're excited, I'm in tears. I walk over to the guy that had been organizing the event. And I said to him, thank you for doing it. He said, well, it's just what we do. I walked up to the guy that was in the gator that was following David. Mm -hmm. I was a little long in the tooth, uh, probably worked there, whatever. And I said, Sir, I just want to thank you and I apologize for following that you had to stay on the course so long following my son. And he looked at me with a tear in his eye. He said, Sir, you don't understand. This is one of the best days of my life. I said, Huh? He said, I watched your son stumble, fall, get up. I watched your son be dead last. I watched every challenge that could be, you know, he would just, you know, but he, when he fell, he would literally get up turn around, look at me with a big smile on his face and turn right back around and start running. When we ran past people along the way, he would wave and smile. He said, sir, your son ran the race with joy. I think so often we get tied up in what we're doing that we fail to see joy in every step of the way, whether we're falling, whether we're failing. Run the race with joy is to me is about an attitude, a positive thinking. It's not about, I don't get angry. I don't get sad. I don't get disappointed. It's about what's in the back of my head. It's about the joy of moving forward. It's not about the concern about my failures of today. I don't think you can innovate without running the race with joy. You know, Blaine, this takes me back to my daughter, Raka. And as you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I was 
you know, I had a commitment to run a race myself, a half marathon, then I changed to a full marathon. And of course, like an angel, Raka was there with me from mile 18 to cheer. I was in pain, finish was important. But you know, once, as you talk about David's story, you know, to me, it's very humbling because my race was all about me. I was all about my pain, somehow get myself across the finish line, get the picture so I can put it and say I was done. But at no point, I was thinking about anybody else who was there, whose energy was getting me forward. And, you know, this to me is such an amazing lesson from, you know, Superman, David, that's the only way I can describe him, is he was literally sharing and profusely joy to every person around. And as you mentioned, not a single fall stopped him from being authentic in that mission to cheer every person. They were not cheering him. He was cheering everyone. And I'm so glad I asked you. So the run the race with joy is, of course, as you said, is an attitude, but also how you impact everyone else in that journey. So, Blaine, if, you know, we talked for a while, if Blaine today in 2020 has to give an advice to Blaine just starting his career, what would be a few things you would tell Blaine? I think for me, uh, for Blaine, and knowing what my strengths and my challenges are, there's probably only one thing I would tell Blaine, because I, I mean, I know myself, I work hard, I care passionately, I have persistence, those are all great skills. Uh, but the one thing I tell Blaine is you can do more than you think and always operate with courage. Because I think that so many of us go through life, I mean, there are really great innovators, there are people who do make a difference and what every one of them have in common is courage. It's not just about being smart, uh, it's literally about having the courage to take a step out there, regardless of what other people think. If I look at my Myers-Briggs, my Myers-Briggs in my early career was INTJ. Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert by nature, very introverted. And that affects me every day of my life and continues to affect me every day of my life. And I always have to think back to say, who uh, who do I respect the most? And many of the people I respect the most have great courage, regardless of what's going on. And so part of when I you know, was referring to a discussion earlier, it's about courage. And so I would say to Blaine, always operate with courage. You can do more than you think. Wow. So finally, Blaine, with every leader I talk to, the big one commonality nearly in every leader is they have, everybody has their own individual process and a plan. Because I really find that success that has a process or a plan can be repeated. And as you mentioned also earlier, is in case of smart failure, you can go back and tweak it and come out as a big winner. So just asking a little personal question is, when you start your day, what's the first thing you do? And when you finish your day, what's the last thing in your work day that you do as a process man? Well, I gotta, I'll gotta. i show you something here, if you can see it on my screen. Uh, I don't know if you can see it or not, probably yep. can. That's a picture of David crossing the finish line. Wow. 
The first thing that I see on my screen every morning or before I go to bed, because I'm checking email or text or whatever, is the picture of David running the race for joy. Hmm. So if you want to know, that's how I start my evening process or my morning process. It's okay, Blaine, can you run the race with joy today? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, you know, I don't, you know, I've talked before, I don't believe in patterns. I think absolute habits get in the way of mega success. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's amazing to me. We can get so locked into our patterns that we forget to innovate. We don't see the innovation opportunities. So absolute habits, that's not something that I'm actually good at. I used to think that may be a bad person. Now I actually think it makes me, me. And it's sort of like, take it or leave it. That's who I am. But I do start every morning with what do I want to get done today? I use to do the app and I write it down every morning these days. It used to be on a piece of paper or I would write it down overnight as I was thinking about it and waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, But what do I want to get accomplished today? And then my question is, how does it align with what matters? In my case, my personal and professional priorities. So what I want to get done and how does it align? Because if I don't think through the how does it align, my ability to shuffle priorities has changed throughout the day doesn't work. So I always start with that. And then the last thing is, is did I accomplish whatever it was that I set out to do? And if I didn't accomplish it, why? Was it because I ran out of time? One of the projects took, one of the things took too long. Oftentimes I find it wasn't really important. And it's the learning about, as, I, as we talked about earlier in the call, or is it's, it's what matters. And I think so often we get caught up in the little things and the things that don't matter that are just good ideas versus what matters. And here's a, a, small, a, a small example that I think you may find useful. I own a lake house. I'm at the lake house right now, as you can tell from probably the background here. And I, I was so intent I've been so intent at times on making the lake house the way that I want it. I have forgotten to have joy when people come to visit. You are interrupting my work. And I had to think, what is more important? I'm retired, so this is a choice I can make. Is it more important for me to get the work done at the lake house or to enjoy friends and family and to help make sure that they enjoy their time and their time with me? their time here at the lake because what really matters for me isn't how nice the lake house is what really matters for me what really matters is the relationships that i get to build with people that perhaps i have not had the opportunity in the past that's what i mean what matters what are my priorities if you don't start with that in mind i don't see how you get much accomplished at all thank you blaine so Today, what you shared with us are some incredible nuggets. Thank you for going back and sharing the stories of your grandma and help us realize that till the last day of her life, till the age of 90 or six months, 91 till the age six months before, she was there at the truck stop working at KFC, not because it's a job, but it was a mission to be there for others. And the thing that also touched me a lot was our life gets defined by what happens after we leave. And the very fact that many truckers chose that day not to earn 
salary, but instead to be there for your grandma, tells me the number of people's life that she touched in that journey. And I really think that's a huge lesson for all of us. The second, I think, you know, sharing David's story about running the race of joy and showing the picture, I really think it's very important that even on the toughest of days, we just need to remember there are people around us. And as a leader, your attitude, you're not smiling, makes a big difference on others. So I really think we are very responsible for the environment around us. And David, every day, will remind me going forward, I can't be as good as David, but I, I would be on a journey, aspire to be like him, to run the race of joy. And the joy is not for me alone, but for others. The third is what you talk to me about, on all of us about is push yourself, don't limit to what you can do, just go beyond. And the most important thing is not being smart, but having the courage, because courage takes you beyond. Smart takes you on the lower risk side. And finally, I think the phrase you literally put, shared over and over again, and I think it was your personal gift to me because you know I'm not that focused, I just get distracted, is keep your eye on what matters. Because as you prioritize, if you don't know what matters, it's really you're prioritizing against a moving target and it doesn't work. Blaine, thank you again for being here and sharing. This truly has been a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. You just listened to Blaine Hurst, one of the biggest, highest impact makers in the restaurant industry and beyond. And those on Facebook Live, thank you for listening. Please forward this, share, and share your comments. Blaine Hurst, thank you again truly appreciate you being here and also being a personal mentor to me. You're simply amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Arjun. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Seng, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.